Hello and welcome to In the Weeds. We're recording live from the Picky Weeds Esoteric Occult Boutique, located just south of Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, in beautiful South Abington Township. Picky Weeds is the largest and most diverse boutique of its kind in Northeast Pennsylvania, with an increasingly wide variety of items for many traditions. In addition to items for sale, Picky Weeds hosts a wide variety of classes, events, and community-driven gatherings throughout the year. Picky Weeds is located at 105 Layton Road, South Abington Township, PA. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. More information can be found at www.pickyweeds.com. That's P-I-C-K-E-Y-W-E-E-D-Z.com or on our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. In the Weeds is the official podcast for Picky Weeds, where we strive to bring the community together with topics of interest, guest speakers, and informative discussions to benefit the entire community. If you'd like to be a guest speaker, either live or remote call-in, please visit www.pickyweeds.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, find In the Weeds podcast guest application, click it, Copy and paste the text into an email with your contact information and send it to us at pickyweeds at gmail.com. Now, now let's, let's get, get in, in the, weeds. the weeds. Well, hey, everybody. This is uh, John and Tay here. I'm in the Weeds podcast. We're season two, episode six. Good morning. And we're joined today by uh, someone we're very excited to hear from, uh, Hunter Yoder. Hey, Hunter. Good morning. Good morning. So, Hunter, your definition, at least that I saw, was a hexologist. Uh, You're also owner of the Hex Factory in Boyerton, PA. Is that right? Yep. So, what what can you tell us? What's a what's a hexologist? What's a hexologist? (laughs) Well, the term term hexologist uh, was coined by uh, a hexine painter in the in the fifties and sixties named Johnny Ott from. Len Hartsville. Uh, he was the professor of hexology. And um, what uh, <clears throat> what set him apart from the other um, people that were painting uh, barn stars on barns and such was that uh, he felt that there was a magical intent involved with creating these. Right. And right. So he was referenced by uh, Lee Gandy, um, author of uh, Strange Experience, who also um, was very much involved with uh, uh, intentions and uh, and was a, referred to himself as a hexenmeister. But he re- he referenced um, Johnny Ott in his book, and uh, Johnny Ott uh, is refer- you find that he was been has been referenced. Um, and a number of different esoteric places. And I grew up in the area uh, near Lenhartsville, and um, he was just downstream from the farm. And uh, so I was very familiar with his work, although he had passed in the early 60s. But so I've sort of taken up the torch. Yeah. And That's so awesome. they're not just decoration. There's, there's actual meaning behind each hex sign, right? Uh, yes, uh, I think people are always asking me that. And, uh, <laughs> the, the funny thing about it is, a lot of a lot of times, and you'll find this uh, throughout history and in, in, in a lot of things, is that um, the things that people attribute no meaning to, or as merely decorative, um, 
that may be just their, I mean, they may have forgotten or the, the original intention may have been forgotten and it hasn't been lost because it exists in the, in the uh, sign, but they just may have forgotten what it is. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've run yeah, into but, that a they, lot too. They, yeah. Yeah. And they persist, you know, there's, the, they still persist in creating these things. Um, and it's true of uh, like the old uh, gods and goddesses in, um, in with the Pennsylvania Dutch. They, um, they still come through in strange ways and people don't even remember why. <laughs> right, yeah. So like the, is it the Norse pantheon primarily? The Germanic? <clears throat> no, Germanic. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, because uh, I, I know there's a lot, you know, just in other mythologies too. People don't know maybe the history of of the symbolism and the history of what they're doing. And a lot of times, like with Tay, she has uh, an indigenous indigenous roots in, in in the Americas, and a lot of her family was, you know, decidedly Christian and and wanted to hide that fact. So yes, they you, wanted removal from it. They wanted to assimilate into, you know, a more Anglo-Saxon society. So they were kind of ashamed of it. It was really sad. Dean. Well, but yeah, but this, this has been going on forever. I mean, I when I, I you know, I used the phrase red pill. When I got red pilled into um, uh, Germanic heathenism, it's like everything seems so black and white and uh, yeah, yeah, Christian, Christian bad, you know, uh, yeah, heathen good. But then that, you have to realize what really actually happened. It takes, it takes, it's taken me maybe a number of years to realize that the effect, the real, the real important effect that uh, the Germanic um, belief system had on Christianity. I mean, take look at Christmas. Christmas is like a pagan holiday. It's, yes. There's <laughs> about it. And, uh, and, you know, the real holiday in Christ Christianity is Easter, of course. But then, right. of course, Ostara, Easter, uh, the rabbit, and all that. I mean, there's, there's such an influence uh, and, and a, a really transformation of Christianity through its uh, effect in the northern Germanic tribe. I like to think of it that way, too, because I don't, I don't think of it as having been so insidious. I mean, some of it was, you know, the, the, the takeover of some of the religions. They built their churches on temples. But then again, if it weren't for them, um, you know, taking up some of the practices, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have them anymore. They'd have been lost to time because they were oral tradition. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, this has been going on for all, for all over the place all the time. And... Um, a lot of it people don't understand was political. Yes. Like uh, with the Pennsylvania Dutch, um, the actual Germanic tribes that they are a direct, uh, directly uh, in line with are the the Franconi, the Frank, and the Alemanni. Um, the Franks are famous for, uh, let's say, Charlemagne. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Charlemagne. Uh, conquer the the Alemanni and we know that the Pennsylvania Dutch are um, from these tribes because of the dialect it's really not it, that's how we can tell because the Pennsylvania Dutch dialect 
is Franconian and Alemannic. Oh, that's neat. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a lot, of, a lot of things can be traced like that. I think. And it, and it, and it was their um, political alignment with Rome. Mm-hmm. It was just the power thing, and uh, they created the Holy Roman Empire, which lasted a thousand years. And this was the Franks, the Merovingians. Um, and they, uh, so they, they and, and Charlemagne's famous for his uh, his uh, fight with the Saxons in the north, northern Germany. The Saxons held on to the the old beliefs for a very long time. And, uh, and a lot of them then went over to England. And they so, carried their traditions with them when they go. Yeah, yeah. Like the Anglo-Saxon stuff is really interesting. Well, you mentioned Merovingian. I know there's a you know there's a festival and a, a community surrounding that whole um, group of people that that um, situated themselves in North Carolina. We used to see it every year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Well, what what did they do? I, I I guess they just had like the history. They would show the history and some of the artisanship and building skills of those people. It's sort of a thing that they bring up at least once a year during the festival. It's kind wow, of interesting. So, yeah. So what, it was called the Merovingian Festival. No, it? it's got you hear them mentioned in the festival about the peoples that came and settled um, the Appalachian Hills around Asheville in that area. Oh, I'd be interested. I'll see if I can find it and and send it to you. Asheville is that it gets gets hilly over there. Oh, yeah. oh my God, it's very yeah. yeah Tay's a Tar Heel. She's yeah. from North Carolina. I'm a hillbilly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you couldn't tell by the slight accent she still has. <laughs> I still act like one too. <laughs> oh. Do you, do you find well, those traditions like in in the U.S. are they primarily centered in Pennsylvania or or have they started to become more mainstream elsewhere in the country well, uh, as far as mean, pennsylvania uh, dutch practice hex well, the, and that kind of thing the pennsylvania dutch um the uh it's an interesting story uh the last folk art form that was created uh, in the pennsylvania dutch tradition occurred in uh, 1949 at the christian folk festival when uh, uh uh, a guy, a hexine painter named Hill, cut a disc, a round circular disc, and painted a, a hexine on it uh, to sell to the tourists because, you know, they before that, they were just painting them on barn. Right. So, so th- that's kind of interesting. And it was like a whole new form right there. I mean, painting hexines on discs, it's a different, kind of a different process. And uh, it took off, and it became uh, internationally famous. Um, and 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 so through the through the commercialization of, for the tourist trade, uh, um, a lot of the misconceptions that later turned into uh, tradition. Uh, just the name Hexine is not really a proper name it was a name given by some connecticut guy from connecticut who uh, he attributed uh, witchcraft to the hex signs oh wow so that's what i was going to ask or what were the original uses of them were they were they blessings was it more of a 
of a family, sort of like you see Crest, you know, and all the, the different, um, oh God, what am I trying to say, cultures, you'll see their crest and their signs. Is it more something like that that was, you know, or was it actual folk medicine? Well, uh, there's there's a lot of debate. Um, the rosette, which is the most basic hex sign, uh, is definitely a protection sign. But, Beautiful. But, mo- but the stuff that was done on barns and on furniture and things um, was, in a sense, that just decorative, really. Because anything with any true intent is not out exposed to the world for the world to see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it, so there were things that were hidden inside the barn for protection or, or for different purposes that would have more of a magical intent. But but what's interesting is that um, people they just couldn't get this idea out of their head that these things were not for magical purposes. <laughs> in, 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 in for the forest trade so but but less so and then then we get into um guys like gandhi and everything and 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 the the, he, the heathen community when i started putting uh runes on hex signs and and putting some intention into it um the witchcraft part wasn't a problem for that pagan community that's the, that's the part they like yeah so so that sort of misconception became a reality, and you find that a lot through, through throughout culture and history. Yeah, you do, and everybody wanting to assign a magical meaning to everything that happens. So it's not unusual <laughs> at all. But did you take any heat from the purist community about adding uh, room signs to the hex signs? Oh yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> yeah. But I love it. I think it's beautiful. Um, it's it's evocative. I I just really kind of fell in love with it. Yeah, I mean, when I I, I started painting professionally, two thousand eight. Uh, so I just uh, it'll be my sixteenth year. Um, I call I put out a book called The Backdoor Hexologist because I, I coming out of Kutztown, it was like <clears throat> there's this very you know like. Uh, there's a few well any small community where only certain people can do certain things yeah. And, and yeah and that was that was true in Kutztown. there was only certain people that could paint hex signs so they said and i just didn't really accept that because i was from the culture and decided to just do it myself and sort of i sort of came in the back door <laughs> <laughs> love it small town politics i love it it's constant People with nothing yeah. better to do. <laughs> oh, so when you decided to incorporate the runes, I also noticed you incorporated some Celtic knotwork, which I find that Norse and Celtic knotwork pretty much look the dang same, honestly. Um, was that part of your tradition too? Uh, I think there's one that uh, that might have been my wife. She's the Celt, the Welshy. Rachel's uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her stuff is beautiful. Right, that she um, she incorporates that, and you're you're right. I mean, there's that um, that heart thing where it's like uh, two hearts joined together to make almost four hearts. If you look at it, depending on how you look at it, um, that was out of uh, the tradition of the Proctor um, work of the early uh, German settlers and. Um, and also, Gandhi used it. 
It's beautiful. Uh, Lee Gandy, it's interesting you're from the Carolinas. Gandy was from South Carolina. Um, I thought I recognized that name when John mentioned it to me. You had mentioned it on the back of your book, and I was like, God, why do I know that name? But yeah, that yeah, Dutch, Forks, Dutch Forks, he taught at, uh, he was a professor of college, I forget what, I forget the town. Uh, but he was, uh, the same crowd that settled in uh, southeast Pennsylvania settled in South Carolina as well. Isn't that funny? And we had some in North Carolina, too. I remember there was a couple yeah. farms around Pittsburgh and Solar City. Yeah. Yeah. For the Christophe Folk Festival, we get all these guys up from the Carolinas, and they say, oh, yeah, we do that. And also, like, the tombstones, there's a lot of... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> John's John's being shy about it, but his grandmother was huge into Pennsylvania Dutch. There was, there was the work was all over her house. You couldn't step in a single room; you didn't see something. You know, it, it was absolutely beautiful, and she was very yeah, proud it, of that tradition. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, there was a period of period of time where there was an English China company that would put out Pennsylvania Dutch decorative. Pottery. Oh, wow. Oh. She had a lot of like the, the tr- you see the black trivets almost, uh, like something you put a pot on, but you have them hanging on the wall with the Pennsylvania Dutch sayings and maxims oh, all yeah. over the place. Yeah, yeah. It was Feel great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she was very, very proud. Both of my grandparents were from the Pittsburgh area originally. So. Uh huh. I think there's a pretty good uh, population of of uh, that belief system in in that area in Pittsburgh. In that, I guess there was um, well, yeah, they moved uh, down to the Ohio Valley. Um, I mean, the westward expansion all sort of came out of uh, of like Lancaster, that area with the Conestoga wagon um, and the. But I know in Pittsburgh, um, there's a lot of more Scotch, German. What was oh. the religion? Presbyterian oh, yeah. or Presbyterian or what? Oh, what was the well, she, she ended up Southern Baptist. Which is really <laughs> weird for somebody in Michigan, I'm just going to say. Uh, yeah. No, no, but I mean, <laughs> I mean in, her, in the family, what was it? Uh, is, is, I don't know, prior to her generation, but uh, they, were all, they were all Baptists prior to that huh. but she still practiced huh. the folk ways um but it wasn't yep. uh it wasn't out the door so to speak it's something she did behind, behind closed the scenes doors. yeah <laughs> well she yeah, was a deaconess she couldn't get away with practicing that probably. <laughs> 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 oh have mercy she, she did see I, I walked in one day and i forgot i was wearing shorts and i i have a pretty large uh pentagram tattoo on my calf <laughs> i'm like oh crap grandma's gonna see this and she just looked and she smiled and she went, that's a very nice hex you have. <laughs> like, <laughs> Alrighty, okay, I dodged a bullet there. <laughs> have mercy. Well, the pentagram is funny, the evolution of the pentagram. I mean, today, uh, the pentagram is some sort of a, you people get the impression that it's some sort of a cult pagan symbol. Shoot, no. But it's much older than that. But originally, like, with the... the um, so guy went in the Green Knight. That story. Mm-hmm. He had he had the pentagram on his shield, and the the pentagram was uh, actually a sign of Christ. His, uh, the five wounds. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that. Right. 
Uh, so it was, a, it was a Christian protection sign. That's funny. But it's, it's like the changing of all these symbols. I mean, you, you, even the, what the swastika was originally something Buddhist? completely different yeah. than what it was maligned into. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah that uh, the this, the swastika or filfot uh, is throughout all of the Pennsylvania Dutch folk art, and it's um, it's just a, a good luck sign. Yeah, you see that in, in oh. some of the Buddhist uh, statues. Will have that. On a lot of their statues, and I think too. they use it Hindi too, don't they? Yeah, the Hindu. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's your the name swastika is uh, Sanskrit. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's blessing direction, so it depends on the way the legs turn. Correct. Well, that's the that's just it. That that is the part that's extremely confusing because um, the, some people see what I call one that's rotating counterclockwise is going clockwise because of the trailing arm and uh, my oil burner oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it, uh, there's uh, they're actually the Hindus have two different names for the one that goes counterclockwise and the one that goes clockwise oh wow okay so they and had so, both uh, in representation in their practice the, the clockwise one is like a, a solar, and um, the counterclockwise one is like a uh, a black solar or a black sun sign. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so these uh, symbols kind of carry over into different traditions. They get picked up, or how does that transfer from Hindi to Germanic? Is it just the migration of people that they bring their symbolism with them, or...? What's the well, they they can they trace they trace uh, again. This is another thing that they trace through language. That uh, the Germanic language, English is a Germanic language, by the way, uh, is actually yes. has has roots in uh, in Sanskrit. Oh wow! Our, yeah, the origin of our language is from northern India. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. Well, I think theirs is really one of the most complete practices that you can actually find still written down. Um, And just I've never seen anything to beat the wealth of information on on their history and their practice. The what Upanishads or Mm -hmm. the Mahabharata. I'm glad you yeah. said it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's I think that's the longest epic. It's like longer than the Odyssey and the Iliad and it's like the longest epic in history or something like that. And, and it was originally all oral. Yeah. Wow. Oh, can you imagine the memory on those people? Oh my god. Wow. Oh. Mm-mm-mm. That's crazy. We've lost a lot in electronics and cell phones and stuff these days like i used to thinking about them remembering that but i remember a time before i'm aging myself here hunter (laughs) that i could remember 100 telephone numbers without even really thinking about it and now i can't even remember john's i have to ask him like every three weeks what's your phone number again (laughs) so i have no idea what it is i have to look up my own number oh it's crazy it is crazy So I read a little ditty in your book about an ayahuasca journey that led you back to your traditional practices. How did that come about? Um, well, I, like I say, I uh, was raised in Berks County, and 
after I graduated from college, I basically left town for New York City and worked in New York and um, had a, like a whole other life up there. And um, I had used peyote early on when I was a kid up in the, up in the Appalachian Mountains. And uh, it, once you use that once, it stays with you. And yes, so, it does. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you, uh, you're infected with the cactus. And um, so I reconnected with it, uh, not using peyote because that's illegal. Uh, but uh, uh, um, San Pedro. San Pedro. San Pedro. Oh, yeah. Huachuma. Huachuma. Ah. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, we can get it anywhere. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that any of this stuff is illegal. Because I know. It, it grows here. <laughs> not, in, not in Pennsylvania, but, yeah, you, you know. Can, you, can get it at, at, um, you can get it at Walmart or. I know it's crazy, right? <laughs> but and you can have the plant, but you better not use it. Oh, my God. it's ridiculous. These laws are disgusting. Um, right? Yeah, so I'm anyway, part of Herbalists Without Borders. That's one of our big sticking points, right there. Is like keep your hands off our indigenous medicine, you know. But yeah, so I uh, yeah I appropriated some uh, indigenous medicine. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh. And and it, it's a it's a wonderful thing. It's like a, a benevolent benevolent grandfather uh, plant teacher. And um, I was interested in um, shamanism, and it instructed me that the shamanism I sought was in my origins in Berks County, and uh, that I should go there and I would find it. That's beautiful. And so, I, so I returned. And uh, got interested in, in Bralkerai, Powwow, and then from there uh, into creating hex science again. That's excellent. And, and and then and then the further revelation was, uh, I mean, because hex signs by themselves are like, I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot of symbolism in there. So I started uh, using. Uh, 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 the, the runes and bind runes and, and, and symbols from the Germanic uh, pantheon and uh, instantly had an audience. So uh, I, that's when it started. Oh, wow. Do you actually use runes in practice as far as like outside of hex signs? Is that something that you practice? I use them within hex signs. Just that, within that is, my, that is my practice. I love that. So when you're doing a, a, a sign with the runes, is it is it it has intent and it has a purpose? Is are all of them pretty much the same? Like, are they for protection or blessings, or is there any? Can you use that kind of magic for any any purpose? Well, they um, there's they have like there's numerical values assigned to each one. So I use mostly the elder Fatharka though. I'm also getting more acquainted with the younger and the uh, the uh, the uh, Armanan Fatharka of eighteen, uh, the the younger sixteen, but the the elders at twenty four, and that was the one that I sort of cut my teeth on. So you'll have um, the numerical values are the place in the Fathark is 
like one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way to 24. Right. So uh, we'll use, um, there's like a, a formula, magical formula, like a, a, a really positive, powerful um, formula in the Germanic heathen um, of magic called Alu. It's uh, Ansus, Lagos, and Oros. Um, uh, and it it stands for magic or for ale, alu. Hmm. Uh, and the numerical value is uh, 27. And then uh, any value, any of the values of nine um, or any multiple, multiple of nine um, will add up to the number nine if you go gematrically, like when seven is nine. Or let's say six 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 is eighteen, but one plus eight equals nine. So we'll you you tried a lot of a lot of times your your work operating on a number of different levels numerically, and then uh, with uh, the, the the assigned values of the the runes themselves. <clears throat> That's interesting. With the correspondences, do you do you create the sign in a specific time day? month astrological influence or anything like that as well or uh no no so it's no, not it, uh, not that ain't a retentive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 um and um what is interesting well i i'll go through a whole mental process i go through a very sort of a mental process putting something together uh in a circle and then the people that either buy it or, or admire it, they'll sort of um, tell me almost like the same process that I went through making it. So it's almost like a meditation. Yeah. And, and, and you can see the meditation. And, and that's a lot of people use them for meditation. I love that. Um, almost like a and, mandala. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a mandala, um, yes. Uh, although it, what's interesting is uh, you'll you'll find like uh, mandala they'll be all even numbers usually eight uh, e um, even numbers are solar numbers and odd numbers are lunar so um, like thirteen I'm using more nines and thirteens when it stars which sort of you can imagine what the sometimes people don't even notice it they right. don't even notice the, it's just pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shiny it, just, but, you know or no, I mean that like people that are familiar with them, they don't even notice it. Oh, wow. um, off throwing nines and thirteens and uh, and twenty sevens and uh, and um, and juxtapose that with even like some sort of even even number. Uh, and that, that a lot of these signs, that some of my most popular stuff is like, well, I have a solar lunar uh, uh, X sign, so it has the thirteen moons. Or the uh, there's 13 um, lunar cycles in a lunar year uh, in a uh, an even numbered uh, a solar orange star like a 16 or 18 pointed star. 
Yeah, I think I saw one of those um, as you did on your website. It was at uh, it was one half of it was black. It might be Rachel's. I can't remember. I've looked at both the, your sites. The so day, much. the day night it was divided yeah. between black on the left and uh, lighter shade, like a day on the right with the moons. Uh, if that's the one, it's the yeah. image yeah, I yeah, keep that, seeing when you're describing it. Yeah, that like yeah, that's like solar, lunar, day and night. So that's why I've got all it's in there. It's and, beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that yeah, you added that into, you know, into it. You know, yeah. people were buying it, like, from, from what you said, just, you know, they wanted it there. You know, so now you're really putting in the intent into yeah, the Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's, that's amazing. Like, somebody calls you to commission it, and you do it based on their, on their, what they need the sign for. Is that correct? Well, I, you know, I don't really do, I don't really do commissions. Uh, my wife does. I don't really, I mean, I'll, like, they want this sign larger or smaller, I might do that. But I'm at the point where um, I just don't doing my thing, and you know, you can buy it. <laughs> 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 I get that totally. Aww. So, do you do any events around the area? Uh, uh, yeah, we have the, the main event is the Kipton Folk Festival in uh, over the July Fourth. It's, it's here's another thing. It's nine days. No one knows why it's nine days, but it's always been nine. I days. love that. Um, it's like usually the beginning of July for nine days. Wow. Um, depending on how the weekends fall. Uh, that's the main event, and then I'll, I'll do some. Uh, there's like a Bell Belschnickel craft show, and uh, we we got something coming up called the Zamalof in the uh, end of March. Amalaf is a Pennsylvania Dutch term for meeting or gathering. Um, but I, I sort of keep it all in the area, all in the Berks County area, a little bit of uh, Montgomery, a little bit of Lehigh, sometimes Lehigh. But it's all sort of in this area. And he said Belschnickel. I'm trying to remember my childhood. That's, uh, grandmother had those in the house. Well, there's a, like a, It's the German, it's not the Krampus, but it's the Santa Claus, uh, yeah. Pennsylvania Dutch oh, version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she had it. Yeah. Oh, well, then she, she is Pennsylvania Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Belschnick was a big one. Uh, it's actually, Belschnick is actually, trans, it was uh, sort of a Pelts Nicholas uh, Nicholas being Saint Nick and the pelts, he they would they would dress them up in like stinky uh, pelt furs, punk or whatever raccoon or and and that's how that's what how they got Belschnickel. I love that's it. That's funny. I love that. <laughs> yeah, we had a big Krampus event here with Mark Stavish. Uh, it was it was a, it was a big hit. We had a bunch of people, and Mark led a little mini Krampus parade in the parking lot, and he gave a uh, a quick history on a on the Krampus and uh, Krampus knocked, and it was it was great. It was really a good time. We had Krampus cookies and the whole bit, so we made a big to do about it this year. <laughs> well, Mark. The great guy. Yes. Yeah, he is. We like him a lot. And we kind of owe uh, Christopher Bellardi a uh, shout out too because he put us in contact with you. So, Chris, if you're listening, right. yeah, right. yeah, Chris yeah. is one of our favorite people. Yeah, we hang Mysterious out a lot. Chris Bellardi. 
(laughs) (laughs) So we just started carrying, uh, he got us some copies of the Red Church uh, that we've been able to start carrying in the store. So we're pretty excited about that. Oh, yes. I I just did an interview last summer with him. And uh, it was funny. When that book came out, I was hanging out with the... uh, the uh, the crew the, like the the Brockerai crew who actually gave him a kind of a real hard time about that. Oh, uh, yeah, and, we heard and about I that. Was, yeah, and I <laughs> and I was on the way out the door anyway with those people. So it was, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous we, thing I've ever heard. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? I mean, <laughs> yeah, we shared we shared. Uh, some dirt on that. It's a good interview. It's on my website, hunteramiotor.com. I'm going to have to go good listen to that voice. for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> we would love yep. to carry some of your books too. I don't Maybe we need to talk to oh. you about that after. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Der Volksfrund. That seems to be a very popular one. Uh, that I'm doing really well with that one on Amazon. And, uh, and then I have uh, 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 what else do I have? I have six books out. Can't believe it. I can't even write. I have six books out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't write either. So <laughs> oh. You don't have to. You don't have to anymore. No, though. just hit no. the keys. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, I know there's a lot of misinformation over the years in on Pennsylvania Dutch, so it's really good to to talk to you know someone that actually knows what they're talking about. Yes. Oh my god. And goodness. it's one of the reasons we value Christopher and Mark so much too. Is just. Uh, the academic approach, you know, it's rooted in fact and history, and, and you know, it, it's well, they, so much BS out there. Oh well, no, but the academics, you know, the academic world is part of the problem. But yeah, well, but that's true. What might be of interest is that the term Pennsylvania Dutch. Everyone says, "What do you mean Dutch? I mean Deutsch?" Or is the the term came about? When uh, at the time they emigrated, there was no Germany. So um, the English-speaking people in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania was a, a English uh, colony uh, called anybody who spoke a German dialect Dutch. So that is the actual origin of the usage of Pennsylvania Dutch. Is there? There was no national identity. So they just kind of rounded everybody together. Well, anybody that spoke a dialect and yeah. a German dialect. Isn't that crazy? Uh, mm. You see people all yeah. the time going, no, not wooden shoes. <laughs> 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 not windmills. <laughs> Tulip. No. <laughs> oh. But also of, of some interest is that although the Pennsylvania Dutch, I mean, obviously came from uh, Europe. A lot of the motifs, a lot of the motifs are not. At that time, you have a lot of interesting things that came out from the Middle East. It's a very peculiar. I mean, like the tulip, for yeah. instance, came from um, Persia yeah. or Iran. And uh, I guess when they passed through, everyone sort of went through uh, Holland on the way over, either to England or all the way over here. Um, there was a time of the, the tulip madness where people were speculating on uh, buying tulip bulbs and there was like a, a like a market that people would mortgage their home. Oh my God. 
to buy a, an exotic tulip bulb, and it, 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 this escalated to the point where the market collapsed. And that and peeled up And people lost everything. So uh, that is the tulip madness. Was it just mm -hmm. the exotic plant that, that was the drive? I well, I mean, Holland. They're still crazy about them. Yeah, yeah they are. True. Yeah, they are. And it's 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 this whole thing with. I think it was probably trade routes as much as it was migration routes too that bought all this stuff to us. Right. Yes, yeah, like yes, the Silk trade. Road trade routes, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Another one would be uh, peacocks. There's a lot of peacocks. Yes, I had them all over my kitchen at well, one they point. They heard in time. them at five yeah. in the morning. They wouldn't want yes. them anymore. Oh my god, you feel like you're in the jungle. <laughs> Oh, they're beautiful. And that's not that's not from Northern Europe, you know. The peacocks. No, <laughs> but but even the Amish, they have they'll have the peacocks because they're allowed. They'll they'll raise them. They they're beautiful. Be colorful. Do you see people and getting then, uh, Amish, Mennonite, Pennsylvania Dutch confused? Um, what's the what's the oh yes. big differences yeah, that, there? Yeah, that's a good yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, well, first of all, when they were doing all this. Um, tourist nonsense in the 60s. <laughs> they would like the Amish painted hex signs and uh, and no, 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 no. The, the, the What they called the church people, mm. the, the Lutheran and the UCC, they, those are the guys who built the big barns that painted the hex signs on them. And the Mennonite Amish, they, uh, and, and they call them church people because they also built spectacularly large churches you know the the lutherans in the in the in the ucc usually one church the, a ucc church right next to a, a lutheran church here it's, it's weird um <laughs> the mennonites and amish they don't have churches like that they don't do churches um uh so that would be a big difference and uh, and all the other obvious reasons um uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> the Amish Mennonites they they favor bulldozers over tractors, or their tractors won't have rubber tires. Yeah, I have seen that, and they do, yeah. and they damage the roads terribly with those. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, and they they actually they're very very clever. They have their own. They actually manufacture their own tractors. Uh, they're mechanically, they're very 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 good. And, oh yeah. Um, uh, and and they they are the ones that really kept the, the dialect alive, um, and especially in, going into Ohio, uh, there's actually more speakers there than in Pennsylvania. Oh wow, that's crazy! Yeah, I know there's a, there's a few like I said there's a few of those farms around um, Pit, the Pittsburgh area, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Solar City, and they had you know the the typical like barn raisings together, and they raised the horses and. And stuff like that. They were really great people. I, I spent a lot of time around them because they were my, they were actually my customers on my route. So we did a lot of barter. <laughs> we did a lot of barter for good stuff for for papers. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they're good. yeah, they're good at that. Good at that. It was amazing. They're sweet people. I really they, like them. They're they're all over. Like they're even like in the the Chihuahuan Desert in Mexico. Wow. It was like some desolate piece of desert. In northern uh, Mexico, that I think it was Mennonites from Canada that they were given permission to go to the Fallen Desert, and uh, they turned it into a a garden. You know, they that's amazing. Wow. I didn't know that. 
I didn't know that. No, that's crazy. Well, you, you can't beat their work ethic. No. And I think they're they're more about people are so hot about permaculture right now. Yeah, I think they need to talk to those folks a little bit because they know they know what they're doing, and they'll take a wasteland and turn it into something absolutely stunning. Into a garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. They, oh, they always do that, and now so it's renowned now for its cheese. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That is, yeah. yeah. I used to get the I used to get the cheese from that farmer that I delivered the papers to, and I was like, I don't need money. I'll just take the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. They it can't was incredible. Oh my god. Oh. I, yeah, I, I ran. I had some affiliation with uh, uh, our Indian tribe, the, the Papagos or Bean Eaters, Tahona uh, Odnum tribe in. Uh, very southern Arizona and New Mexico, and they had a catalog of, of you know indigenous seeds, um, and they had that's where I ran across this. They had a, a sunflower that was snow white seeds that were from the uh, the Mennonites in the short uh, Oh wow! That's, that's how I came across that. That's crazy. So it's a species they propagated. <clears throat> a variety. Yeah. Wow. That is yeah. amazing. That is amazing. That's that's really cool. I, I know we we see the horse and buggies all the time, and uh, even in Michigan, they're up by Gladwin. There's a lot. Of, there's a big community. My my dad was a jackass. He was always, you know, the, he'd see a horse and buggy with blinkers, and he's like, "Was he got some pedals and gears in there to <laughs> power <laughs> something to turn its turn signals?" I'm like, oh, my God. mom would smack him, and yeah, you know, just this. We grew up with. Very sarcastic parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they sometimes those horses. They they're kind of rough on the horses. Yeah, they're kind of rough. I don't know. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, they it, they idealize the, the, the those communities, but in a lot of cases, there's a lot of uh, a lot of abuse, and there's a lot of uh, abuse of animals. Yeah, we have a it's friend not, that adopted one of the dogs and. She was totally, it's a beautiful German Shepherd, and she was totally abused, and he had kind of a rough time with her at first. And she's doing really, really well now, but she's still got spots where she has problems with fur, things like that, and they weren't very kind to her. And then you got yeah. the Amish neighbors up in the hills, too, that trespass left and right and slaughter animals regardless of the season. Yeah, they do. It's uh, God's gift to them or something like that. I don't know. Just yeah, the attitude. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they idealize them, but it, it's certainly nothing I want to be a part of. No. 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 Uh, if you hear her grunting in the background, that's Bella. That's she Bella. Just, I'm trying to keep her quiet. She woke up from her nap and decided to talk. <laughs> she has things to say. Oh, my it's goodness. A pig? She's a Rottweiler. Yeah. She sounds like oh, well, no, right. Yeah. <laughs> she thinks she's four pounds. Yes. And the diva of the of the store. We we have people that come to the store just to see Bella. We do. We have a FedEx guy that visits just to it's see Bella. Ridiculous. It's not even his route anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and if you oh. don't pet her head when you walk by, oh, oh my God, she'll talk crap to you. <laughs> so, what what advice would you have for say Hunter for someone wanting to learn more about the practice of creating hex signs? Um, make a rosette. Make a rosette. Yeah, the act of making a rosette is an act of magic. Oh, I love that. You just 
take a compass and you draw a circle and then you take you don't change the, the spacing on the compass you, you take the point of the compass and put it on the circumference circumference of the circle that you've drawn and you do sweeps and every place that the the sweep intersects with the circumference you go there with the point and do another sweep and you keep doing that all the way around and you create a a rosette and it it's 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 just if you do that you will understand what i'm talking about it's just a magical thing i have to try that sounds like a big meditation well it's just like magic <laughs> i don't know <laughs> But uh, I got this thing. I'm I'm really into this. Uh, there's this called the King's Gift Box. It's a runic casket of, of Ozon, uh, and I have this book by Alfred Becker. There's this. It was like a, a treasure box they found in somebody's attic over in France, but it was actually from Northumbria, Northumbria, Umbria, England, um, and it has. It was like a has all these runic inscriptions on it. And um, it was really the time where Christianity and uh, and the heathen uh, iconography was being mixed. Really interesting. But anyway, they say he says when one speaks of magic today, one usually thinks of kinds of magic whereby the laws of nature are invalidated. In the Middle Ages, however, magic was understood in the sense of power ability. Behind the tangible worldly facade, hidden forces were suspected that could determine their nature. Thus, it should be possible to gain power over things if you knew the formulas they obey. Love that. So that that was what they were all about. That's amazing. Love that. Love that quote. The idea was to make things happen. To cause change. Yeah, to your will. Yeah, it's like coming right out of Eliphas Levi or yeah. Agrippa. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Very interesting. But tell me, what do you guys, what do you have? What do you have at your store? Uh, a little bit oh. of everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, um, we started in a little 600 square foot um, shipping container of a size of a store. You were shoulder to shoulder in there. And, you got uh, a storefront? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We now are in a 3,000 square foot space with a community center. We have two bookable rooms, or one now. One's a podcast studio. That's where we're at now. Um, and uh, we what, have. What, what do you sell? What do you sell? I was, Tay's got about, what, about 200 and. No, 200 th- 300 and 300 herbs and teas. Herbs and teas yeah. now, loose leaf, Ooh. bulk teas, herbs, Ooh. any herb you can think of. <laughs> yes. Um, we've got two book rooms, one dedicated to, um, ceremonial, uh, esoteric magic, Western, Western magic, uh, along with Eastern. And we have quite a bit on, um, uh, Eastern philosophies and Eastern practices. And then we have a, a generic, uh, general practice like witchcraft, Wicca, a little bit of everything, Norse, Norse, Norse practitioners. practitioners yeah. yeah. Um, crystals. We've got like incense candles, three or four hundred <laughs> different varieties of crystals. Yeah. We carry about three hundred tarot decks, oracle decks, 
A little bit of everything because this area is so full of different traditions. There's people in the Scranton area that is so varied here. You have, I mean, we, we have Taino practitioners yes, here. We, we have everything uh, yeah, voodoo, voodoo, hoodoo, voodoo. Uh, yeah. folk magic, ceremonial yeah. magic. Um, yeah, I know. It. It's really neat up there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hills are alive. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Um, oh. But uh, so we wanted to be able to have a place. We have several Christian customers. Yes, you know, we do. We, we cater to them as well. Yeah, we don't discriminate against anyone yeah. at all. No. And uh, we wanted, you know, we don't discriminate with budgets either. So if, if somebody doesn't have a lot of, you know, spending money, they can they can come in here and buy a 68 cent stone and at least buy something shiny for themselves. Yeah. You know. You know, everybody needs retail therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You take something home that, that means something. And we uh, have an event any- space and rooms you can book to do readings. And, yep. Yeah, and wow. the studio is here. Yeah. I have to get up there. Do you guys have ginseng or anything like that? I, I used to carry American ginseng. It's gotten to be the price of almost gold per ounce at this point. <laughs> it's crazy. So I carry, um, I carry a little root stuff like that now. I can get it if you want it, though. No, I used to pick it. I used to get it. Ooh, you went singing. I used to do singing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to do that as as a wee lass. Yes, I did. Tay's been a practicing herbalist for what forty years. Thereabouts, yeah. yeah. Since I was and um, when we opened the store, we wanted it to be official, so she actually went to school for it and got an accreditation. She had to do clinicals and the whole bit. It was a pretty intensive. Uh, class with uh, Rosemary Gladstar. Yeah, it was. Um, so she's got her big degree hanging on the wall. So, <laughs> but um, I'm smart enough to pour them in a bag. No, love it. <laughs> she's the brains of the operation. <laughs> Whatever, you're in trouble. <laughs> We definitely would love to have you, you and Rachel, whatever you guys want to do out any time. Yeah, a standing invite for you guys. Always. Yeah, I used to get mine. I I got mine. It wasn't quite accredited but uh i went to school with a guy named boomba back in the late 60s uh boomba had a an old used bookstore and herbs in the back awesome. oh wow and uh, and um he was also a broker mm. oh that's I cool really, i didn't realize i didn't really realize it at the time but we went out we got went for gold seals and sang yeah um all that stuff and and then when I, I brought this up, I, I was with some group, um, three sisters of, three sisters had some Browkerai thing going on in the early 2000s, and I brought it up that I had, Pumba uh, was my first mentor. Oh my God, they were horrified. Pumba, <laughs> <laughs> like. He was like a dirty old man too. <laughs> no. Women, when uh, young ladies would come into his store, and he said, "You want a kiss?" Oh no. my god! And he'd, he'd hand them a Hershey. He'd give them a bowl of Hershey kisses. Uh, that's like awesome. That sounds like Lori. Yes, it does. Oh my god! My, my dad, when he when he uh, retired, he ran a parts route, uh, auto parts, and he he sold stuff to body shops and things like that all over Michigan. And uh, one of the places was called Central Distributors in Flushing, Michigan. And there was a guy who had his daughter work there, and she was really bawdy. And I I just thought she was awesome. But uh, he's like, go ask Lori for a candy bar. And I'm like, why? Just just do it. I'm like, okay. And uh, I walk up, and I said, uh, 
I asked Lori, I said, can I get a Hershey bar? She goes, uh, you want male or female? And I said, uh, what? She said, with nuts <laughs> or without, boy. And I, my face turned beet red. <laughs> I, I thought the sun rose and set in her ass. She was just awesome. Yeah. A lot of Germans in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. It's full of them. We're everywhere. Oh. Oh. <laughs> German mixed you know, with Scottish. Oh. Yeah, yes, Scotch, German. Anyway, um, Nasty combination, by the way. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just had to take a shot. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry, Hunter. We interrupted you. <laughs> the, the largest ethnic minority in, in, in this country is, is German. Isn't that crazy? Of course. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's awesome. It is. I He's saw a TikTok the other day. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Uh, so I saw a TikTok the other day, and it was it was a Pennsylvania Dutch speaker, and uh, along with some a German speaker, and they were comparing notes. So the Pennsylvania Dutch speaker would give a you know verbiage in the to see if the native German speaker would understand. And it was it was really close, but there were still some. Um, different no, combinations of words that they didn't get yeah they're pretty different yeah yeah actually yeah they think uh, uh pennsylvania dutch or that dialect which comes from southern southern rhine region of germany and into france also is um might be old it might be older it's actually very similar to yiddish oh, oh wow really yeah so where yeah, would someone go to learn it? Would you? Is it have to be like still familiar? It's not like you can get it on Duolingo, right? You can't. Uh, no, there's a like a lot of there's online classes. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Do yeah. tell. I'm very interested. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So it's its own dialect. It's it may may have German um, influence, origin, <laughs> roots, or influence, but it's 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 its own dialect that stands alone. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hochdeutsch is the high German is is like the standardized German, but uh, German Germany's is, there's all there's not there's tons of dialects. There's the there's the the uh, in Switzerland they have a different German dialect, and in Bavaria there's a different dialect. So they got dialects all over the place, and that that's why you know Germany was finally unified. I think in the 1880s or something. Bismarck. Um, so they, you know, they were all broken up into different little uh, principalities, uh, or you know, different areas. It, it took a while, so they have a lot of different dialects, and uh, this just happens to be one of them. And it's co- coming out of what they call the Palts, the yeah. Palatinate, in the on the the, the Rhine Valley. <laughs> um, I'm gonna uh, definitely yeah, look so, that up. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know you could, there was still res- there was resources to actually learn that. That's that's yeah. Awesome. On on, fa- on on Facebook, a lot of these Pennsylvania Dutch groups they they'll post when they have it, and uh, I know the there's a uh, right here in Berks County. There's a, a number. Of, there's there must be like almost a half dozen places where you can you know can study, and there's also a good study book out. Hmm. Uh, that's cool. I'm definitely going to look that up. That's that's really interesting. I think that, that something it's nice so important to, to keep it alive, to keep that yeah. language alive. Yeah, yeah. I, like we have like uh, interesting. My favorite word is uh, uh, when it, there's like a, a thunderstorm, 
uh, the, the duchy say, well, it's a donor vetter. And, oh. and, and see, they don't even know why. Uh, Dunner is, is uh, the German or the Pennsylvania Dutch-German version of uh, Thor. Oh. Hmm. The lightning Thor Dunner vetter. Wow. That's they, awesome. They don't, they don't remember that. That's awesome. They just know that's what we call it. Yeah. That is, and you talk about, just circling back, you said something about uh, the population in Michigan. And I, I have to mention, uh, there's, have you heard of a town called Frankenmuth? No. So there's a small uh, town, and it is all influenced by Bavaria. So everything in this town, the architecture, the road signs, you know, we, I grew up next door in a little tiny town, uh, Millington, uh, and we hated Frankenmuth because they had money and they were able to recruit better football players than ours. But, um, (laughs) but, uh, the town itself is, is, is really cool. They have a glockenspiel. They have, uh, Germanic themed everything. And, you know, you look at it like, Oh, is it just a tourist trap? But the population that lives there is, is, I don't know what the percentage is now, but when I was a kid, it was probably 80% all Germanic families that, that settled in that part of Michigan. And they made this town that looks like you plucked it out of, out of Germany from the old days and plopped it right into a Michigan field. And they have a covered yeah. bridge. They have a log, you know, it was all hand, oh, really? hand done. They, they did it the old way. It's all hand, um, hand constructed, you know, even the logs are hand hewn. Everything is, it was, it's, it's a great, cool little place. If you're ever in the area. Yeah. Usually they did like dovetail corners though on the buildings. <laughs> Uh, the buildings, the buildings are like modern construction, but they have that, that, uh, the awning type. I don't even know how to describe it. Like the, wait, what would you, I'm not an architecture person. The, uh, the, 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 the soffit. Yeah. Yeah. Just the dark shingling and it, and it looks Bavarian. Like it looks like old world stuff and they, it's just a great little town. Yeah. Is there farming? All around there. So they're yeah, that's that's it. The Germans, it's always farms, you know. Oh yeah, yep, yep. And I I come from that that family. I I was throwing hay bales when I was eight nine years old. You know, had chores. Yeah, we uh, thought that was the greatest thing in the world when they would bale hay in the wagon. We'd be on the wagon uh-huh. grabbing the bales with the hooks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a big rope swing in ours, and you could there was two two levels to the barn so the the hay and straw would be in one part and the other but you could climb up the hay bales to get up to the roof of the barn grab this big rope and swing like an idiot and drop from the roof of the barn all the way to the bottom of the hay <laughs> that was like the most awesome thing uh, i don't i don't know if kids still do that or not but that was a that was a good time when i was a kid they'd be afraid to get hurt <laughs> <laughs> there's no helmets involved no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah well, it's, 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 it's been really great talking with you guys i've got to actually run to pick up uh, a kid um i have six of them and uh gotta pick one of them up absolutely oh hey we are so grateful for you taking the time with us and uh and uh thank you so much you guys again you always have a standing invite if you're ever in the area we would love you want to set yeah, something up, up there. I have to get up there. Um, I used, my parents used to have a place up in Sullivan County, and we used to pass up through that way. So I think. Yeah, I, I think you'd you'd have no trouble drawing a crowd. 
So, not at all. Not with that work. It's beautiful. But we'll let you get, you got places to go. And uh, thanks again, Hunter. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great We're talking. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of In the Weeds, and we hope you didn't have to pick too much pucker brush off your cloak after visiting with us here. If you liked the episode, please follow, subscribe, and share. And if you're really kind, leave a positive review. Be sure to tune in next week as we publish a new episode weekly. If you're in the area, stop by the store and see us. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.